Let him do anything but act. No amount of piety in his imagination will harm us if we can keep it out of his will. Let him do anything but act. This is the guidance of Screwtape, who is a senior demon training his junior demon nephew on how to lead Christians away from God. Let him do anything but act. Keep his intentions in his mind. Keep them in his thoughts, but keep them away from concrete action. Let him do anything but act. Over the past five weeks, we've been having two very engaging Bible study book study groups, meeting on Wednesday mornings and evenings, and we're reading C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters. This book basically describes the spiritual battle going on inside each one of us and warns us to become aware of how the evil one tries to deceive us, confuse us, and do whatever he can to lead us away from any authentic connection to God, away from following God's desires. Surely, the devil doesn't ever want us to know about God. But also, surely, if we do learn about God, or if we happen to call ourselves followers of Jesus, then he wants the next best thing. He doesn't want us to act out in following Christ's commandments. For example, we can theoretically talk about love for one another and even love for our enemies. But Satan will try to keep us from ever actually acting in ways of love toward one another and not loving our enemies in concrete ways. Or we can talk about our upcoming Great Lenten journey, which will begin in another eight days. And we may learn about all the beautiful spiritual traditions related to the great fast, to this holy season. But the devil will try to keep us from actually following any of the holy traditions or using the spiritual tools which can open up our hearts and minds and lead us to encounter God in the fresh new way. I begin with this warning about the deception of the evil one when he whispers, let him do anything but act, to help us be on guard, to stay awake, to be attentive, and to listen to how the church calls us to action in today's Epistle and Gospel readings. Let me remind you what we heard. First in the Epistle, we heard St. Paul's advice to the Christians in Corinth who were struggling with whether they were allowed to eat food that was offered to idols. The Apostle warns them, food will not bring us closer to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do eat. That's interesting. Ultimately, St. Paul teaches how it isn't food itself and whether we eat it or not that will bring us closer to God. But it is how we approach food. How will we approach food will help us in our spiritual journey towards God. And this is what fasting is all about. Approaching food in a healthy, spiritual way. It isn't by chance that we read this passage today because today we are partially entering into the Great Lenten season. We call today Meat Fair Sunday because it's supposed to be the last day we eat meat until Pascha. No meat for the next 56 days. No meat starting today. And next Sunday, 
will be the last day for us to eat cheese and dairy. We then enter fully into our Lenten journey on Clean Monday, which is March 15th. So what does it mean to approach food in a healthy and spiritual way? Why do we fast? Since St. Paul clearly says food will not bring us closer to God. We're no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do eat. We need to clearly understand fasting as a tool, not a goal. And if used properly, this tool opens up our hearts and minds to encounter God in a clearer way. The primary purpose of fasting is to make us conscious of God. True fasting involves real hunger, denying ourselves food and being hungry at times. Fasting can humble us and make us aware of our dependence of God. So that's the first purpose of fasting. The second purpose of fasting is that fasting helps us develop self-discipline, which we can then apply to other areas in our lives, disciplining ourselves to overcome sinful habits and disciplining ourselves to cultivate virtuous habits. The third purpose of fasting is to create an open space within our hearts and souls where we can encounter God in a new way. Throughout history, the faithful have opened themselves up to divine illumination during times of fasting. Finally, fasting helps us free ourselves from the dictatorship of flesh over spirit. Do you remember when Jesus warned his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was praying and they kept falling asleep? He said to them, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Don't approach fasting as something negative, but as something positive and joyful. We deny ourselves in order to free ourselves. We deny ourselves in order to open up ourselves to God in a new way. So, here's the first call to action we have today. That is, let's all begin to fast. The devil will tempt us to simply talk about the fast, debate about the fast, judge others as they fast or do not fast, or keep the fast in our mind, but not to actually engage in the fast. Remember, the devil says, let them do anything but act. I want us all, however, to make a commitment today to begin the fast. Today, your last day of eating meat, and tomorrow, begin not eating any meat until the day of Pascha. In the Gospel reading, we hear another much more fundamental call to action, which stands at the center of our faith. All our theology and beliefs will mean little if we don't heed the words of our Lord in the parable of the Last Judgment. I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Just as you did it to one of the least of my brothers or sisters, you did it to me. Every week we talk, in one form or another, about the greatest commandments of loving God and loving our neighbor. Loving God and loving the other make up the essence of our faith. What we become aware of, however, is that these two great loves truly reflect one love. We can equate the two commandments with one another. 
Jesus makes very clear in this parable, whatever we do to the least, to the most marginalized people, to the most despised of society, we are doing to Jesus himself. We often highlight how all people are created in the image and likeness of God. When we choose to ignore, reject, despise, or hate someone else, anyone else, we are choosing to ignore, reject, despise, and hate Jesus Christ himself. The part of this story that strikes me every time I read it is how both the righteous and the condemned are surprised at the last judgment. The righteous ask in shock, when did we see you, Lord, hungry or thirsty or naked or sick or in prison and minister to you? They aren't reaching out to the most marginalized in society because they will think they will get some reward. They're simply responding to what they've cultivated in their hearts. They're so filled with divine love that they naturally reach out in love to others, whether it's to their family, to their friends, or to the most marginalized marginalized stranger. So they don't even realize that stranger is Christ themselves, and they still choose to love them. In the same way, the condemned are shocked because they don't consciously reject Jesus. They're just as surprised when they confess, when did we see you in need, Lord? If we had known it was you, we would surely have reached out to you in, in love. Yet that's the point. They didn't open their hearts to God and allow his spirit to dwell in them. They chose, they might choose to love someone as a transaction. Lord, if I know it's you, I'll love you and serve you. But then you have to do this for me. Receive me into paradise. Give me a reward for the good deeds I do. That's the transaction that people sometimes want in their minds. Such people haven't adopted the mind of Christ and haven't opened themselves up to allow the Spirit of God to guide them and to make love for others just something natural, part of who you are. Just like in last week's story of the prodigal son, we noted how the older son lived with the father but never became like the father. He chose not to understand the father's unconditional mercy, grace, and love because his heart wasn't open to truly receiving this gift of God. In like manner, many Christians today simply choose not to understand Jesus' teaching when he says, I was hungry and you didn't give me anything to eat. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Our Lord puts an equal sign between himself and anyone in need. He can't make it more clear and direct than this. Thus, our question today is whether we will just listen to this story and keep it in our mind with good intentions, or whether we will respond to this parable and go out today and concretely take care of Jesus and the most marginalized people. Remember, the devil's whispering in our ears. Let him do anything but act. Let him think about it all he wants. Just keep it out of his will to do something. Today we hear St. Paul's words, which help us understand the role of food and the role of fasting. And we also hear our Lord Jesus' words, which clearly tell us how to act.
with the most marginalized of society. It's not enough to know about what we are supposed to do. The question is whether we will respond and begin acting in concrete ways every day. Begin the fast and make today the last day of eating meat until Pascha. That's a concrete action. Stop eating meat. Begin preparing for our final judgment and start taking care in concrete ways of the hungry, thirsty, naked, and all the poor and marginalized of society. It's time to no longer simply think and have good intentions. It's time to act.